I'm Matt Schrader, and this is a special bonus interview episode. And we're back here again with Bill Wisher in his uh, backyard on the patio. We first spoke after our first episode and uh, now back to catch up on so much from uh, Piranha 2 uh, to Terminator, uh, Aliens, Terminator 2, um, for uh, your friend James Cameron and Bill Wisher, of course, an incredible screenwriter, parts of uh, the Terminator, the original Terminator and co-writer of Terminator 2, Judgment Day. He's also the writer of films like Judge Dredd, The Thirteenth Warrior, and Exorcist, The Beginning, involved in several other, several is really underselling it, isn't it? Many, many, many other pictures yeah, and, script and scripts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in some Which regard. Is, uh, we all do, we all do that. Yes. <laughs> um, so, Bill, before we go back to, to revisit from Piranha 2, I, tell me how that call from James happened when you learned Terminator 2 was a go. Yeah, I remember that one quite well. Um, Jim and I were, um, developing something. I cannot recall what it was. It, 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 it never got made. So he calls me up one day and he, and, uh, you know, we're, we're supposed to get together. And he says, I got some good news and some bad news. And I said, well, give me the bad news first. And he goes, um, you know, that thing that we were going to do? He said, yeah, well, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. And he goes, want to hear the good news? And I go, yeah. He goes, Terminator 2 is a go with Mario Casar and Andy Vanya. Right. And I said, oh, wow. And he goes, I don't want you to write it with me because there's more bad news. And I said, what's that? He goes, we're already behind schedule. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you hop in your car and come over? <laughs> and uh, um, in the intervening years, I think it was about seven years between um, the Terminator and T2, um, we had kind of talked of, you know, what ifs. Right. Sure. Um, and so we kind of were Because it was a slow start for Termin for the Terminator, and then it started to really blow up on home video and, and television. Yeah, I mean, it, it only cost $6.5 million. It was a little low-budget film, science fiction film, and I, you know, I don't, th it, it, I mean, and it made a lot of money. Right. You know, uh, but, but it really became a cult classic. Yep. And, um, and like you said, on home video and that sort of thing, and, and then it really did blow up. So, but we'd spent the intervening years, we used to play racquetball and, and go jogging together and, and, and stuff like that. And we lived together for a couple of years. Right. And um, uh, out uh, off of White Oak Avenue in Reseda, shared an apartment. And um, shortly after he was crashing at Randy Frake's house, I think when he first came back. Well, when he first came back from uh, Piranha 2, now this goes back to Terminator 1. Sure. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He was right. crashing at Randy's um, and had been living in Rome. Uh, recutting the film at night, breaking in and recutting the film that they'd taken away from him. You and know what? I'll ask you about that in just a minute. Okay, so the, 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 we'll come back. To yeah, uh, uh, how about this? During filming of T2, Randy Frakes told me that uh, James at one point pulled him aside and asked him for advice on something. He said, I've done something stupid. I've, I've, I think I'm falling for Linda Hamilton. <laughs> 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 when did you find out that there were any sparks flying there? Um, you know, I really don't think I was aware of it when, 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 you know, we were shooting the film. Well, Randy clearly wasn't either. <laughs> he said, yeah. what? What? Huh? Uh, 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 no, I, um, um, it was sometime after, you know, they wrapped and all of that. And then it kind of became clear he was going out with Linda and mm -hmm. I had no idea, uh, you know, uh, during, um, 
the filming of the movie. And I wasn't there every day on that set. I, I have a, a very small cameo role uh, in T2. And, right. And uh, uh, I play this, this, this guy that... Uh, uh, he was supposed to be a Japanese tourist, um, and uh, uh, and he was a friend of Jim's who was going to fly in from Tokyo, and he missed his flight. <laughs> and I was I was pretty clear. We need you, Bill. <laughs> I was pretty clear. I said, like, Bill, you're Jim, an actor. I really don't want to do this anymore. You know. And he said, Listen, the guy missed his plane. You, you know, be at Santa Monica Place, which was a, a, a shopping mall, uh, at at six o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, Okay. He says, you don't have to say anything. <laughs> okay. And uh, I don't know why I was so adamant about it in those days because I don't, you know, I, I think about doing it again now for fun, you know. Sure. I'm much older now. But uh, but anyway, I just was like, no, I'm a writer and I don't want to be an actor. Anyway, so I show up for that. Um, and um, uh, I remember there was a very funny thing. It was about 6 o'clock in the morning, you know, the crew's setting up. And... Um, you know, for this big shootout chasing through the mall. And, um, uh, and Jim had a cup of coffee in his hand. Nothing was open. And I said to him, I said, oh, God, where'd you get the coffee? And he says, I have no idea. I just hold my hand out and someone puts a cup of coffee in it. <laughs> is this him being sarcastic or is this him being... A little of both. I mean, I kind of laughed. Yeah, and, in true form, yeah. And I said, I said, do you remember which one did that? <laughs> anyway, I went over to a, a PA and they told me where Crafty was, you know, sure. and I got some coffee. But it was just funny. He's like, I have no idea. I just stick my hand out and people put coffee in it. T2 must have been a really interesting experience as a writer because it's an action movie. And a sequel, maybe, you know, a lot of studios would, would consider a sequel to be safer than something that was wholly original. But this was a totally new script. You knew you would have pretty good budget for it. What's it like as a writer, knowing you have ability to write big things for spectacle? Well, it was fun, for one thing. Um, the opening title sequence cost about what the entire Terminator film cost. The original, <laughs> the original yeah. right. About six million bucks. And um, so the way we did it was we, wor we worked uh, together at, at uh, Jim's place um, in the same room with one computer, and we would take turns at the keyboard. Okay. And now, now what we're writing at this point is the treatment or that term Jim has coined that I've kind of borrowed and stolen is scriptment. Sure. So it's basically one document. You write it. Uh, as as a treatment, and then you just keep expanding it until you get to sure. it, it becomes a full screenplay. Maybe it starts with just a few little pieces of dialogue that are important, and then it expands and expands and expands. Well, one of the yeah, it 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 uh, yeah, and scenes as you think of them, you know. And so sometimes it's just kind of like we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and you throw all that down, and you start reorganizing the material. Sure, um, but we 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 mostly wrote it in a linear way. This, mm -hmm. this scriptment. But, but before we even got to that, we, we, we had a few days of conversations and, um, I remember Jim saying, um, there's, there's, there's no, there's gotta be a reason to make a sequel. Okay. Because if it's just to make money, we should just do something else. So, you know, what, what can we do with this that, that makes it different? And we talked about, 
where Sarah Connor would be in seven years. And it's like, oh yeah, no, she'd be in a mental institution, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and then the, and of course the big thing was flipping Arnold from being uh, the villain to the good guy. Now it, 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 it sounds like a kind of a no brainer today, but Arnold had by that time already made several lists of um, best cinema villains of all time. Sure. So what we were going to do was was flip that on its ear. Right. And it's one of those things where we're kind of like, this is sort of scary, but we both think it's a really good idea. And if we think it's a good idea, I think everybody else will too. Now we have to convince Arnold. Yeah. And so we called him up. And, you know, he basically... You and Jim did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had him on speaker, as I recall. And um, uh, Jim did most of the talking. (laughs) Sure. You know, (laughs) he's, Arnold, you're on with Bill and Jim. Oh, hi. You know, kind of thing. And said, listen, we have this big idea that we want to do, you know. And and we explained it to him. And um, he said something along the lines of, just make sure I'm cool. You know, and it's all, uh, we got you covered. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> and he trusted us, you yeah. know, basically. And, and so it's like, okay, that's out of the way. And once we had that, um, I, I think we felt we had a movie, yeah. you know. And then, and then during the writing of it, of this, of this scriptment, which ended up being, I don't know, about 50 pages or so, um, we knew that, uh, you know, pre-production was already kind of happening. ILM was doing a lot of the effects, if not all of them. I think some we had to send other places because it was just too much. Right. But ILM did the bulk of it. And, um, and if I'm wrong about that, then I apologize, but I'm pretty sure it was ILM. So we'd be, we'd be sitting there, uh, discussing stuff and he typed for a while and then he get tired of typing. I type for a while and we go back and forth. And then we'd come up with an idea, like for instance, um, uh, when, um, the security guard, when, when the, when the T-1000 goes in to kill Linda in the, um, mental institution yep um and there's that black and white linoleum floor and it Mm kind of kind of draws up into uh the um uh the the t-1000 taking the shape of the security guard by the way those two were twins that shot was not cg we had twin brothers there's a Uh, shot where they're looking at each other uh uh-huh and there's and they're both in the frame and it looks like it's, you probably guess, oh, that's a CG. No, no, that's a twin. <laughs> okay. So saved a little money there. Yeah. But we, we, you know, we would call up ILM and say, you know, we want the floor to morph up into this guy. You know, can you do that? And um, they'd always say yes. <laughs> and I always got the impression they'd hang up and they'd go like, what the hell did we just agree to do? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, what are we going to do? Good God. Yeah. Um, but they, and they came through on every single one. Um, and, uh, and so we would make these phone calls intermittently because we'd have an idea and then tell, wait, can you guys do this? And then they would say yes. And then, okay, that's going in. And so we finished this scriptment and, um, then we cut it in half and he expanded, uh, one half and I expanded the other. I don't, I honestly don't recall which one of us took which half, but it doesn't matter because we, we, we did that and then we glued it back together. And then we both, uh, again, back. In, so I went home and wrote my half. Sure, uh, he, sure. He wrote his at his house. And then we got back together. And um, and then again, like in the beginning, side by side, we just read through it page by page and made, um, 
had a few arguments. Sure. <laughs> I won some, which I feel very proud about. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Uh, not uh, many people win those. <laughs> not not so many. This is what I've learned. I said some. Um, right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, honestly, I cannot tell you how much fun we had. I mean, and that that's my, my chief takeaway from, from my, you know, my memory of that time is that we would just... Um, we were just having a blast. And, um, you know, there was never any of that tension stuff or this or that. We would disagree here and there. And I, oh, come on, you know, no, 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 move on, move on. Let's just, right. you know, I like it better my way. And then orange, sometimes I go, no, no, what about this? And you go, oh, that's really cool. Okay, let's do that. You yeah, know, kind right. of thing. And, um, and it was just mostly um, a pleasure. I had fun working with Jim Cameron. <laughs> and, uh, it, and it helped that we'd already known each other since 73. This is, yeah. you know, 1990s. 20 so, years. So, uh, not Almost. quite. Yeah. So, and, and because we had started out together, uh, kind of learning to write together, at, I mean, at the same time and reading sure. each other's stuff, we had the advantage of having a very similar language. Right. You know, so. And, and also understanding the other person's perspective a little bit. Yeah. Too. And we knew each other really Jim's well. Jim's going to like this. Yeah. Bill you know? might like this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. And, and, um, but we, we, so we didn't waste any time trying to, you know, it wasn't like, so when you say that, what do you mean by this or that? And we already knew. Sure. And we wrote that thing from the first day I sat down to the day he put it in a suitcase and flew off to con to show it to Arnold six and a half weeks. Wow. Yeah. Real tight window. That was a pretty tight Were you window. happy with it at that point or were you like any, any writer nervous that, no, we were really. We you were, felt we like were, you'd worked out the kinks. I was, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a really good writer, and I was working with a really good writer. Yeah. So by the time we got to the end of it, um, you thought and we forgive have me if that here. sounds arrogant, but 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 I mean, we both thought it was good, and I don't think we might have made a few minor changes after that, but um, I don't recall. It didn't really change much from what we had finished mm -hmm. uh, at all. The, the one thing that I do remember is that there was a line of description that one of us wrote um, uh, right at the very end where Arnold is all, you know, really beat up and all of that. And he says, um, and, and, and he's described as saying, Arnold looks like he needs a vacation. And I think we actually, Jim said, you know what, let's make that line of dialogue. But I think he did it on the day and just said, just say this, you know, and... Those are the kinds of changes I'm talking about, which yeah. is like nothing, you yeah. know? And um, um, so, you know, work, working with, working with a, a visionary director is a pleasure because um, you know that whatever you do with them is, is, is going to be on the screen, you know? And there's not going to be some, you know, eight other guys come in after you and all of that stuff and change everything around and... Um, which happens a lot in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I've been some of those guys that have come back in and changed everything around. You know? And then the original writer says, hey, what happened with my thing that I wrote? <laughs> oh, wait, I'm getting credit? <laughs> Never mind, it's okay. <laughs> I want to go way back to Piranha 2 and ask you about James coming back from Rome depressed, angry, frustrated probably, most of all, but with this fever nightmare idea. Uh, 
this robot from the future on an assassination mission. We'll ruminate over this for just a second. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back. I'm here in the backyard of screenwriter Bill Wisher, uh, cigarette in hand. And this is a good place to you think. You don't have to broadcast that. <laughs> well, you know, great, great no, writers. No, 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 this no, is I, a- <laughs> I still I still do. This is stupid. But I also work out a lot, so I don't know. There you go. I tell you? Well, I saw a, uh, a, a photograph of your dad, who we talked about the, in the last conversation, uh, d- I think cigarette in his mouth, looking very, you know, Don Draper, very, oh, yeah. very uh, sophisticated. Oh, uh, that's pretty probably cool off on my p- Facebook page. Maybe, maybe. I, I think it was just on a Google search. I started looking oh, for uh, things that he he had been an actor at, and you know, is obviously not a whole lot. But, oh, he was, uh, he was a real good looking guy, and I'm I, not not to be a downer. He passed away in January. Um, and so I, that's why I was thinking my Facebook page, I threw a bunch of photos of him up, you know, when it, when that, when that happened, but, um, no, pretty suave looking. Uh, he was, yeah, yeah, he was Yeah, <laughs> better looking than me, unfortunately, but well, <laughs> uh, this is a, a great, do you write out here? Uh, no, I usually, um, oh, step into the microphone. I'm sorry. I, uh, no, I usually write on that big dining room table you passed. Mm, okay. Um, I don't know a single screenwriter who hasn't commandeered the family dining room table, you know? <laughs> sure. Um, and then I, I'll come out here and have a cigarette break or something like okay. that. Okay. All right. This is more of the uh, the quick break spot. Yeah. Give it, give a, a little fresh air, fresh thinking. Yeah. And then, and then right over there, that, that, that garage is my gym. There's all oh, kinds okay. of gym. So I'll work out for a while, have a cigarette or two, which sounds yeah. stupid, but that's what I do. Keep the blood flowing. And keep then the I go back going. in and, and, and sit down uh, at the dining room table and write, yeah. We were talking before about um, the start of your and James' career with Xenogenesis, and I wanted to go back, not that far, but to James coming back from Piranha 2. Uh, he was in Rome, frustrated, uh, maybe 1982, somewhere around that or so, and one of the stories um, that that we didn't get to uh, was during the editing of Piranha 2, and he was there. That's when James famously you know, was depressed. He had these this nightmare about the Terminator, um, tell me what he told you, uh, what he was doing in Rome with the editing room, because he wasn't allowed in. Uh, they took it away from him, and they were cutting it. He didn't like what they were doing. So he stayed on in Rome. Um, you know, I wasn't there with him, so I don't know too much about it. But what I remember right. him telling me when he came back, uh, he was there for a few months, and he learned a fair amount of Italian. And um, he would break into their editing uh, sweets in the evening and recut when no one was there, when no one was there. <laughs> I mean, he could have gotten arrested probably, you know, but, but he was, I guess, pretty clever about it. And, um, so he would go back in and they'd, they'd cut a sequence during the day and he'd go back and recut it at night. Um, I honestly don't know if they then recut it back the way they want. You know, I don't know what, what the upshot of it was. I, yeah. I saw the film. They come in out. and say, I would have sworn we cut this yeah, differently didn't, didn't yesterday. Did, uh, someday. Oh, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, he was, he was pretty unhappy by his own admission during that period of time. And by the time he got back here, uh, he was probably fairly broke. He was hanging out with um, yeah. uh, 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 Randy Frakes. Right. Uh, out near, I think, in Pomona. He did. He came back from Piranha 2, stayed at Randy's house in Pomona. Uh, you're right on with that, and pitched his idea for... Yeah, I you, was there. Tell me what this was like. Oh, well, it was this round kind of... that the, the house was a cinder block kind of second house on this larger piece of property, and Randy lived in there. And then there was this um, round concrete table with inset tile, kind of Spanish-looking. 
just to set the mood. And um, so he said, I, I have this idea. And, and you know, what do you guys think? He said, I had this nightmare. And he goes, I love my nightmares because, you know, they're always so vivid. And he says, and, and, and there's this uh, ectoskeleton, this thing, you know, this, this uh, cyborg from the future, this robot thing. And he's, and he's walking out of a fire, you know. And he said, so I, I have some ideas about this. And he just kind of began talking about it. And um, we're like, yeah, that sounds pretty good, you know. <laughs> and, but I remember him also being, um, if I recall correctly, uh, rather strategic about the whole thing. Because he, he was he's like, okay, I got to make, I got to write a script to make, you know, a better movie than Piranha 2. See, I, okay, I'm going to have a villain. Uh, I need, I need, um, you know, jeez, uh, uh, you know, I, I need this victim that he's going to, she's going to, oh, I want to make her a woman. She's going to be kick-ass. And he kind of written all these things down. Yeah. And, and um, on, a, on a sheet of paper. And, and, um, and, and from that, he went off and, uh, and wrote the treatment for um, the Terminator. Right. And I don't remember hanging out with him too much while he was doing that. You know, I think he kind of squirreled off by himself. Um, and then, and then I remember reading it, you know, cause we all did that sort of, does this, you know, pass the smell test for sure. you kind right, of right. thing. And, um, we're like, yeah, this is great. This is grand. Did he feel like his, his budding career was in jeopardy? I don't know if he felt that we, we didn't really have much of careers to lose at that point. Right. Um, it was still crowbar time and, um, but he had met Gail Ann Hurd. Mm-hmm. Um, through Roger, Roger Corman. Corman, right, exactly. And, and I think she's the one who must have gone to Hemdale and got him a meeting. So that's when um, he asked me to step in, and he wrote the bulk of it. I'm, I don't know, I might have written 15, 20%, probably not quite 20, maybe 15%. Well, this is kind of the start of your, your working relationship maybe with, with Jim on these films. But I am not trying to tell you that I am the writer of Terminator 1. Right. Let's make that very clear. Sure. That's Jim's film. I just helped him out on it. And I understand while he was still crashing at Randy's house in Pomona, you'd make changes. This was before the days of email. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you lived a little ways away in uh, in L.A. traffic, so you, it sounded like you'd rewrite some of these scenes, you know, different versions of things. He'd record it on a tape recorder. How did this work? This 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 worked exactly the way you just said it did. <laughs> um, uh, I'd, I'd uh, you know, call him up and say, okay, I got some, you know, revisions for you or pages for you or whatever the thing is. And, um, so he'd say, hang, hang on. And he'd, and he'd set, you know, the, the phone, this is way before cell phones or anything like that. Um, w one night my family, <laughs> I, I was briefly, uh, back at my parents' house and they were having people over or something. So one night I actually had to drive down to a phone booth and, uh, just so sort of be quiet. Like a public phone booth. Yeah. When yeah. they used to have, remember those things? Yeah. Just barely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those and dinosaurs are all gone. Um, but, you know, I would just get on the phone and he would record it and then he would take it to a typist. Um, and she takes the audio, the tape, I guess. Yeah. To a to a, you know, stenographer typist type. And um, um, and, and in those days, cutting and pasting, um, which is a term we all use today electronically, was because you would cut the piece of paper 
the lime and mm-hmm. you would take paste and you'd paste it over it, you know, and that, that, uh, it's, it's, it's so funny that the term stuck and then of course the method is gone, but yeah. And then you would have to take that to like, a, a Kinko's or something and then, um, uh, uh, make a copy of it. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, it was, you know, get an updated version. An updated That's version. how you get yeah. version two. And that, and so we, there was just a lot of that done back in those days in general. And everything was done on an IBM Selectric typewriter, you know. I mean, everything's changed so much. I feel like we're talking about, you know, when I lived in the old Wild West. Right. <laughs> but um, uh, the main difference is it, it changes how you write. So if you have a typewriter, you compose in your head and then you type it down. Okay. And then if you want to go back and do revisions, you do the cut and paste thing, you know, um, and, uh, but you're composing in your head. Mm-hmm. Okay. With a computer, which I've used for decades now, but I remember when I made this transition, um, you stop composing in your head and you just kind of vomit it through the keyboard on the page and then you pause and then you'd move lines around, you know, electronically cut this, change that, cut, yep. put that over there. And so the process of... Um, you're doing your thinking on the page. You're doing your thinking on the page. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to composing it in your head, you know. And it would be the same thing if you were writing it down on a, on a, um, a legal pad. You know, you're composing in your head and you're writing it down. Right. And, of course, you change things and you cross things out and all of that kind of stuff. But, but most of the writing takes place before your fingers hit the keyboard. Yeah. And uh, it, it doesn't work that way uh, with, you know, modern laptops and stuff. You just... You just throw down ugly sentences and awkward stuff. And, and then, then just chisel away. And you chisel away and you shorten it and you shorten it. It's interesting because I know Jim went through a similar process when he switched over from writing in pen. I hadn't heard someone kind of I- I explain how the thinking changes. Yeah, it does. It really does. It, it makes you, um, um, you, you, yeah, it changes the way you compose in your head. We'll be right back with Bill Wisher. All right, we're back now with Bill Wisher. And um, Bill, you lived, this was while working on Terminator, I believe. You lived with James in an apartment in Reseda. Yeah, we did. Uh, to split the rent. During this time, you were still kind of functioning as an actor in going up to the roof for <laughs> <laughs> taking photos as uh, to kind of model for, what was this? This Some was Terminator Storyboards, one. I guess. Yeah, this was Terminator 1. And, and um, because we were roommates, it was real convenient. Uh, he wanted to shoot Polaroids. Mm-hmm. They were all Polaroids. And um, I played uh, the, the, the Arnold character and, and the Reese character. And um, <laughs> fortunately, he didn't ask me to play Sarah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and um, so, yeah, but I would put on like a leather jacket and sunglasses and be Arnold. And then um, I, I don't put something else on and, and he'd say, now pose this way and pose that way and do these things. And then he, he just basically used those uh, Polaroids as uh, studies for his um, storyboards. Yeah, as the, yeah. kind of the foundation to draw what he, was, what he was illustrating, I guess. And that was what he took to Hemdale. Um, and was able to then kind of... Yeah, he did, he did storyboards. I remember uh, yeah. storyboards being all over that, that apartment. Yeah. And, um, um, and uh, yeah. And I'm sure he still has like in a cardboard box somewhere, those, those, those Polaroids that he took. Cause he never throws anything away. Uh, so what were the conversations like then? Jim would come in and say, Hey, Bill, can you go put a bunch of this stuff on? I just got a bunch of this stuff. 
Got a, need a leather jacket. Well, it's like, yeah, hey, do me a favor. You know, I want to I want to shoot some Polaroids because so, I so I can make these storyboards. And I'm I'm like, okay. He says, would, would you help me out? And I said, yeah, sure. So I I think I had a leather jacket, and you, you know, we just grabbed stuff out of the closet. It didn't matter. It didn't have to be like you know movie perfect, right? You, you know, he's going to draw it again anyway. Yeah, he's going to yeah. draw it again anyway. But but he wanted to get you know. Um, the, the pose is right and, the, and, and, and this and that. And so, you know, he was just kind of, you know, none of it was movie stuff. It was all Polaroid. So I wasn't like running around. So in some ways you were the original Terminator. In some ways. <laughs> <laughs> I know we spoke about this earlier, but he promised to help you get your SAG card. Well, you know, and it's really interesting because it was about the time that I was losing my interest uh, in wanting to pursue acting and and really wanting to focus more on, on writing. Right. And, but he always, you know, ever since we were, had met, you know, I was, I was like, kind of really wanted to be an actor first. I was doing theater and all these different things. Anyway, so he goes, um, yeah, I know, I know you're writing more these days and you, you know, but, um, would you like a SAG card? And I'm thinking, yeah, I think I would. Options. Options are good things to have. Sure. You know, so, um, I said, sure, that'd be great. And I ended up playing um, one of the LAPD cops, the, the one that Arnold uh, smashes his uh, head into the uh, police cruiser and steals it and goes away. Right. And um, I think you call in, you call it in, and then you uh, immediately get pummeled. Yeah, this is <laughs> 1L19. 1L19, I got a hit and run, blah, 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 blah. And I'm on the radio with my back to him, and he comes up behind me and just, <laughs> Right. And um, there was a stunt involved in that, which was actually kind of fun. And, um, so, so I got to work with the, with the, the, the stunt crew and they padded me up on, you know, and, and Arnold is quite bigger than me. I'm, I'm only about five, six, seven, you know, mm-hmm. he's like 11 feet tall. So, um, <laughs> so he just grabbed me and they said, okay, he, he's going to grab you and fling you backwards, just like out of shot, you know? And, um, so, and, which he did, I must've gone six, seven feet through the air. And that's actually Arnold doing this, not his stunt double. That's Arnold. Okay. But we had worked with the stunt crew, you sure. know, to, yeah, to make right. sure that no one is right. going to get hurt. And they said, yeah, this is how you're going to fall. You're just going to go limp and slide, and it'll be fine. And it was right on the asphalt. And then Arnold jumps in the car, backs it up, and speeds away. And I got a round of applause from uh, the crew. And then I, I looked at the footage, and it's like I fly out of the frame in about a quarter second. And I'm like, <laughs> well, that was such a beautiful stunt. And he goes, the movie's not about you, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> So let's see, you've been electrocuted, you've been, you're now being thrown on the asphalt by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, and I didn't get hurt at all doing that, by the way. This is, make it very clear, they were Good. very professional. Um, and, and it and, got you your SAG card. And it got me my SAG card, which I still have till to today. Well, there you go. Yeah, I used it on a couple other gym movies. Now, James sold Hemdale on the movie, on, on Terminator. Um, by that time, you'd already known him for um, a decade or so. This is probably 1982, 83, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, how had you seen him? Piranha 2, I think, if Jim could, you know, buy every copy in the world and burn it, he probably would. I don't think he <laughs> thinks of it as, as his film. Right. Um, so The Terminator is really, like, his first film yep. that that um, just came out of his head and was what he wanted it to be. And so if you tell you, so you just asked me a moment ago, what did I, how did I see him change over those years? This is going to, this is kind of funny. When I met him, he was Canadian. Okay. And you know, a boot and all, all of that stuff. He <laughs> still had the accent. Um, and then, you know, over that decade, 
uh, he became an American. And it was kind of interesting. I mean, first his, his accent changed. Um, his love of America, you know, got rooted deep in him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he, he sort of, uh, you know, uh, I don't think he, he changed in those days in terms of, you know, his, his, his personality or this or that. He was pretty much the same guy. Um, but, yeah, I watched him become more and more and more and more American, um, you know, throughout that period. And then, and obviously, um, once you get past T2 and now you're getting into aliens and um, uh, that sort of thing, you know, it's confidence, uh, obviously. Uh, yeah. And maturity starts to kick in. So it's, it's pretty much the same curve any successful person uh, goes through. A few final questions with Bill Wisher, a longtime friend of James Cameron, back after this. And we're back again for a few final questions with Bill Wisher. When we sat down with Randy Frakes, he told us you had a natural gift as a writer right from the start. He said, oh, I, I recognized it, especially dialogue. He said you were funny, interesting, um, could really create life in scenes that you wrote. And uh, he tried to push you more into writing more screenplays because he thought you were really good. And obviously he, he was on to something. Um, what was it about Randy that you respected so much in those, those early years that you were willing to kind of entertain his, uh, his, his attempts to try to coach you up a little bit? <laughs> well, first of all, uh, uh, Randy, thank you for those kind words. Um, uh, you know, in the, in, in the early days, as, as I mentioned, he was a few years older than me, had more experience than me, had written more than me. And so he was really kind of my first mentor and um, uh, kind of taught me a lot about um, story structure and, and, you know, that, that kind of thing and encouraged me. Um, uh, I, I, I do have fun writing dialogue, you know, um, and uh, – uh, I find people fascinating. And some of that, I think, comes from the years that I was uh, acting and doing theater and all of that kind of stuff, of of um, having to deep dive into characters that someone else had written, you know. But I always made a study of people, and um, I think that's one of my strong suits. I write action pretty well, too, you know, and uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. But you know what? Uh, the coolest car chase in the world doesn't matter at all if you're not in love with invested with the characters in the film and the dilemmas that they're they're stuck in and so yeah. that's always been like even in terminator uh too for instance i i thought all of the science fiction stuff we were doing was cool but it was really um the, the transformation of linda and arnold you know and the son and that trilogy that broken family you know uh there's a shot where the three of them are riding down a highway at night and so it's a father and a, and a, and a mother and a son uh, in, in, in a way, right? And um, I, I found that to be, you know, the stuff that I wanted to dig my teeth into and, and how she kind of, Arnold begins to learn and sort of, you know, starts to understand humanity. Um, they've taken that much further in Tim Miller's latest uh, iteration, mm-hmm. dark, uh, dark, fate. dark fate, but we were, we were starting it there. And then, and then while right. that's happening, Sarah's becoming more dehumanized and more of a terminator. And then of course she can't 
kill Miles Dyson when, when, when it comes to it and, and sort of realizes, no, 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 I, 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 I can't do that. Yeah. And kind of gets your son back. All of that was the stuff that I um, thought needed to be, it, it was as important, if not more, than any of the cool uh, stuff we were doing. Right. You know, and, but, it, but, it, but it gave a foundation for that cool stuff to be cool so that yeah. you would care about it. Yeah, it did. So you're invested. Yeah, it makes it that much cooler yeah. when the cool happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're uh, a good friend, confidant, supporter of James Cameron. What's the same about him? And what's changed over the years you've known him? He's pretty much... <laughs> <laughs> Other than the money, obviously. Well, yeah. And the success. He, and has, the, he has a lot of money. A he has a lot name. of success. And God bless him. He's earned, he's earned every uh, nickel of it. Um, he's become more of a family man. Obviously, you know, I, I think, too, that w w one of the things that um, I would mention is, is, is his diving and exploration. Uh, his success in filmmaking has has allowed him, you know, financially and, and in, in, in other ways, of just, you know, because of who he is, um, to do a lot of things that um, uh, that, that weren't possible you know, when we were starting out, because, we, you know, you build a career, your goals change, your interests change. So, I, you know, what I see now is a guy who I, I think is as enamored of, excited by um, some of his diving projects and science projects while he's making Avatar movies. Right. And while he's raising this, this family. And now he's, a, you know, he's... What about sixty-five? I guess so. All of those things, you know, um, make you different than an eighteen-year-old kid who, you know, comes down from Niagara Falls <laughs> back in nineteen seventy-three. You know, so uh, uh, he's got a lot to be proud of. But it sounds like a lot of the same spark that you saw way back when. He still has that. Oh yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. I don't think he's ever going to get rid of it. You know, I, I don't see that burning out in him, you know. Bill Wisher, uh, extraordinary screenwriter and friend uh, to James Cameron. Bill, such a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Thanks for doing this. Uh, Matt, it's been a pleasure. Take care.